Hello, and welcome to Infinite Cast, a podcast, a pod, an international podcast, an international podcast. Uh, welcome and greetings from scenic, lovely Kremerbert, Amsterdam, <laughs> the, <laughs> the Netherlands. Definitely the way, the way to pronounce that. Uh, home of the 2021 International David Foster Wallace Convention. That is, is that right? Was yes. that Amsterdam? Because we remember we were like, should we yeah, go to Amsterdam, we go to, Amsterdam. To, go, to see if we, oh damn, we still should have tried to book a live, uh, uh, <laughs> a live reading, a live infinite cast here. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's not too late. If anybody wants to put us up Monday, um, tomorrow, mm-hmm. which will be our last night. Anyway, we're in Amsterdam. We're on our honeymoon, but pod never sleeps. The pod must flow. Pod, pod goes. Uh, what do you think? Should we, yeah, should we let's get back it. into our. Oh, and also, sorry if this sounds a little weird, mm-hmm. but I am on a new portable mic uh set up the Tula Trula something like that it's a great little mic and we'll see if it works for um this kind of podcasting like lightweight ultra ultra light podcasting yeah ultra light podcasting i'm like one of those backpackers who will go out do the appalachian trail with only taking like two pounds worth of gear yeah except me with podcast microphones there there's a i think a subreddit for ultra light camping and uh and everybody everyone shades each other of being like wow i cannot believe you brought that toothpick for like a toothbrush when you should have brought a smaller toothpick yeah the, the famous one on there is uh people getting roasted for bringing an entire toothbrush camping with them when you really only need to bring the head, the head. of the toothbrush. Uh, yeah, that's me with podcasting. Yeah, yes, that's exactly that's exactly the same thing. Um, All right, let's shall get we? into it. What ha- where did we leave off? It's now been we two weeks. We finished Blood Sister One Tough None. Blood Sister One Tough None. Okay, and now great. we're still just, we're, we're vibing around town. The apparition receded, the red of its coat shrinking against the swinging view of Prospect Street and pavement and dumpsters and looming storefronts. Ruth Van Cleave on its lurid tail and receding also, screaming bits of urban argo that became less faint than swallowed. Kate Gompert held her hurt head and heard it roar. Ruth Van Cleave's pursuit was slowed by her arms, which were waving around as she screamed, and the apparition was swinging their purses to clear a path on the sidewalk before it. Okay, so Tony has robbed Or Tony them. has robbed them, and it seems like he gave uh, uh, Kate quite a bop on the old noggin. Kate Gompert could see pedestrians leaping out into the street way up ahead to avoid getting clocked. The whole visual scene seemed tinged in violet. A voice under a storefront awning right nearby somewhere said, Seen it! (laughs) Kate Gompert leaned over again and held the part of her head that surrounded her eye. The eye was palpably swelling shut, and her whole vision was queerly violet. A sound in her head like a drawbridge being drawn up, implacable trundle and squeaks. Hot, watery spit was flooding her mouth, and she kept swallowing against nausea. Seen it? Bet your ever-living goddamn life I seen it. A kind of gargoyle seemed to detach itself from a storefront hardware display and moved in, its motions oddly jerky, as in a film missing frames. Seen the whole thing, it said, then repeated it. I'm a witness, it said. Kate Gompert put her other arm out against the light post and hauled herself mostly upright, looking at it. Witness the whole goddamn thing, it said. In the light that wasn't, in the eye that wasn't swelling shut, the thing resolved violently into a bearded man in an army coat and a sleeveless army coat over that coat, <laughs> spittle in his beard. One eye had a system of exploded arteries in it. He shook like an old machine. There was a smell involved. The old man got right up close, looming in, so that pedestrians had to curve out around both of them together. Kate Gompert could feel her pulse in her eye. Witness, eyewitness, the whole thing. 
but he was looking someplace else, like more around at people passing. Seen it, I'm him! Not clear who he was shouting at. It wasn't her, and the passerbys who were paying that studious, urban kind of no attention as they broke and melted around them at the light post and then reformed. Uh, reformed. Kate Gopper had the idea that supporting herself against the light post would keep her from throwing up. Concussion is really another word for a bruised brain. She tried not to think about it, that the impact had maybe send one part of her brain slamming against her skull, and now that part was purply swelling, mashed up against the inside of her skull. The light post she held, up her, her, held herself up with was what had hit her. Oh, I see. Fellow, fellow, I'm your fellow. Witness saw it all. And the old fellow was holding a trembling palm up just under Kate Gompert's face, as if he wanted it thrown up into. The palm was violet, with splotches of some sort of possible fungal decay, and with dark branching lines where the pink palm lines of people who don't live in dumpsters usually are. And Kate Gompert studied the palm abstractly, and the weather-bleached gigabucks, which takes us to note 299, uh, copyright the Commonwealth of Massachusetts Lottery Authority. Gigabucks ticket on the pavement below it. The ticket seemed to recede into a violet mist and then move back up. Pedestrians barely glanced at them and then looked studiously elsewhere, a drunk-looking pale girl and a street bum showing her something in his hand. Witness the whole thing being committed, the man remarked to a passerby with a cellular on his belt. Kate Gompert couldn't summon the juice to tell him to go screw. That's the way it was said down here in the real city. Go screw, with a deft little thumb gesture. She couldn't even say go away, though the smell involved in the man made it worse than nausea. It seemed terribly important not to vomit. She could feel her pulse in the eye the pole had hit, as if the strain of vomiting could aggravate the spongy purpling of the part of her brain the pole had bruised. The thought made her want to vomit in this horrid palm that wouldn't stay still. She tried to reason. If the man had witnessed the whole thing, then how could he think she'd have change to put in his hand? Ruth Van Cleve had been listing some of her baby's jailed father's wittier aliases when Kate Gompert had felt a hand strike her back and close around the strap of her purse. Ruth Van Cleve had cried out as the apparition of just about the most unattractive woman Kate Gompert had ever seen crashed forward between them, knocking them apart. Ruth Van Cleve's vinyl purses strap gave right away, but Kate Gompert's thin but densely macrameed strap held around her shoulder, and she was pulled wrenchingly forward by the womanly apparition's momentum as it tried to sprint up Prospect Street, and the red, hag-like figure was yanked wrenchingly back as the quality Filene's all-cotton, French-braidedly macrameed <laughs> purse strap held, and Kate Gompert had got a whiff of something danker than the dankest municipal sewage, and a glimpse of what looked like a five-day facial growth on the hag's face as street-tough Ruth Van Cleve got a grip on her-slash-his-slash-its red leather coat, uh, proclaiming, proclaiming the thief a son of a mafun ho. <laughs> uh, Kate Gompert was staggering forward, trying to get her arm out of the strap's loop. They all three moved forward together this way. The apparition spun itself violently around, trying to shake off Ruth Van Cleve, and her slash its spin with her purse took the strap attached Kate Gompert, who didn't weigh very much, out around in a wide circle. She'd had a flashback of reminiscence back to crack the whip at the Wellesley Hills Skating Club rink's Wee Blades Toddler Skating Hour <laughs> as a child. <laughs> gaining speed, and then a rust-pocked curbside light post rotated toward her, also gaining speed, and the sound was somewhere between a bonk and a clang, and the sky and the sidewalk switched places, and the whole violet sun exploded outward, and the whole street turned violet, 
and swung like a clanging bell. And then she was alone and purseless and watching the two recede, both seeming to be shrieking for help. Uh, oh, that's not, that's Poor no Kate. fun. Yeah. Um, never had a concussion. Don't want one. Don't want one. I did get hit in the face with a metal bat once. That sucks. That really did. Fortunately, it was by another fifth grader when I was in fifth grade. So they didn't have that much power, but just the momentum of a metal bat to the noggin. Yeah. That's a real, uh, bong clank. Sky, <laughs> yeah. uh, a sky and ground switch places moment. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's keep going. 14th November, year of the dependent all undergarment. A disadvantage of your nasally ingested cocaine being that at a certain point, somewhere past the euphoric crest, if you haven't got the sense left to stop and just ride the crest and instead keep going nasally, it takes you to regions of almost interstellar cold and nasal numbness. Randy, Randy Lenz's sinuses were fro- that He's were, back. He's back, bitch. Randy Lenz's sinuses were frozen against his skull, numb and hung with crystal frost. His legs felt like they ended at the knees. He was trailing two very small-sized Chinese women as they lugged enormous paper shopping bags east on Bishop Allen Drive under Central. His heart sounded like a shoe in the Ennett House basement's dryer. Uh, (laughs) Fans of Mitski will recall her song off uh, the 2017-18 album Be the Cowboy called Washing Machine Heart, which uses a metaphor to... Uh, you know, put put your uh, dirty shoes into my washing machine heart. So they go thunk a thunk a thunk a thunk a thunk a thunk Yes. His heart was beating that loud. The Chinese women scuttled at an amazing rate, giving their size and the bags the size. It was circa uh, tw- 20, tw- 22, 12, 30 to 40 hours, smack in the middle of the former interval of issues resolution. The uh, uh, Chinese women didn't walk so much as scuttle with a kind of insectile rapidity, and Lenz was heart pressed to both <laughs> heart pressed to both <laughs> keep up and seem to casually saunter, numb from the knee down and the nostril back. They made the turn onto Prospect Street two or a few blocks below Central Square, moving in the direction of Inman Square. Lenz followed tw- uh, ten or thirty paces behind, eyes on the twine handles of the shopping bags. The Chinese women were about the size of fire hydrants and moved like they had more than the normal amount of legs, conversing in their anxious and high-pitched monkey language. Evolution proved your orientoid tongues were closer to your primatal languages than not. We're we're in Lenz's lenses, coked-out brain, racist brain. At first, on the brick sidewalks of the stretch of Mass Ave between Harvard and Central, Lenz had thought they might be following him. He'd been followed a great deal in his time. And like the well-read Jeffrey D., he knew only too well, uh, thank you, too well, thank you, that the most fearsome surveillance got carried out by unlikely looking people that followed you by walking in front of you with small mirrors in their glasses temples or elaborate systems of cellular communicators for reporting to the command center or else also by helicopters also, that flew too high to see, hovering, the tiny chop of their rotors disguised as your own drumming heart. But after he'd had success at successfully shaking the Chinese women twice, the second time so successfully, he'd had to tear ass around through alleys and vault wooden fences to pick them up again a couple blocks north on Bishop Allen Drive, scuttling along, jabbering. He'd settled it down in his conviction about who was trailing who here. As in just who had the controlling discretion over the general situation right here. The ejection from the house, which the ejection had at first seemed like the kiss of a death sentence. Sorry. (laughs) 
the kiss of a death sentence had turned out to be maybe just the thing. He'd tried the straight on narrow, and for his pains had been threatened and dismissively sent off. He'd given it his best, and for the most part impressively, and he had been sent away, alone, and at least now could openly <laughs> hide. Our lens lived by his wits out here, deeply disguised on the anonymous un- streets of N. Cambridge and Somerville, never sleeping, ever moving, hiding in bright lit and public plain sight, the last place they would ever think to find him. Lens wore fluorescent yellow snow pants. <laughs> the slightly shiny coat to a long-tailed tux, a sombrero with little wooden balls hanging off the brim, oversized tortoiseshell glasses that darkened automatically in response to bright light, and a glossy black mustache promoted from the upper lip of a mannequin at Leechmere's in Cambridge side. The ensemble the result of bold snatch and sprints all up and down the nighttime Charles when he'd first gone overground northeast from Enfield several odd days back. Oh my god. This, You know what this is a parallel to? Is Pemulus's oh, yes. outfit that's like hard to look at? Yes. The absolute blackness of the mannequin's mustache, very securely attached with promoted crazy glue and made even glossier by the discharge from a nose lens can't feel running, gives his pallor an almost ghostly aspect in the sombrero's portable shade. And, uh, the sombrero with little balls is very funny. <laughs> so he was like, um, he, he uh, uh, popped a mariachi band? Or yeah, probably like the display of a mm. Mexican restaurant or something. Fuck, that's hilarious. Because I, I know exactly what he's talking about, but I've no, almost never seen one with the actual balls. Yeah, it's a, uh, I went, uh, I went on a family vacation to Cancun to a resort <laughs> a few years back. And the first night, uh, they, <laughs> I don't know how it happened. We were eating dinner and like basically there were guys who came around to different tables just for the sole purpose of coming and putting a sombrero on your head. And then, and and then, then everybody and like, then, like everyone and laughing and clapping and taking a picture. And it happened to me. And I was I'm like, sure you hated that. I, I hated it, but I was also like, this is my, this is my, ta- it's my humiliation tax for even coming <laughs> for here. For coming to Cancun. <laughs> <laughs> Wear the hat. Wear the hat. <laughs> yeah, I had a picture. I might be able to pull it up. I had a picture on my Instagram that I then archived later because I was, I was like, uh, wait a second. This is, this is wrong. Will we use it for, for episode art for this episode? Okay. <laughs> Got it. Uh, cancel yourselves. I say, um, Another adva- both advantage and disadvantage of nasal cocaine is that eating becomes otios and optional, and one forgets to for extended periods of time to eat. In his gaudy pastiche of disguise, he passes easily for one of Metro Boston's homeless and wandering mad, the walking dead and dying, and is given a wide berth by all comers. The trick he's found is to not sleep or eat or to to stay up and moving at all times, alert in all six directions at all times, heading for under the cover of tea station or enclosed mall whenever the invisible rotor's cardiac chop betrayed surveillance at altitude. He'd gotten quickly familiarized with Little Lisbon's networks of alleys and transoms and back trash lots and its dwindling population of feral cats and dogs. The area was fertile in overhead clocks of banks and churches, dictating movements. He carried his Browning X444 serrated in its shoulder holster, strapped inside his one sock, just one sock, oh god, just above the spats of the formal footwear he'd taken off the same... A formal affair limited sidewalk display as the tux's coat. His lighter was in a fluorescent zip-upable slash pocket, 
quality trash bags were plentiful in dumpsters and land barges stopped at lights. The James principle of the Gifford lectures, its brazered out receptacled heart now quite a bit closer to empty than Lenz would be comfortable thinking about directly, he had in one hand or in his hand tucked up one formal arm. And the Chinese women scuttled centipedishly abreast, their mammoth shopping bags held in a right hand and left, respective, so the bags were side by side between them. Lenz was closing the gap behind them, but gradually, and with no little nonchalant stealth, considering it was hard to walk stealthily when one couldn't feel one's feet, and when one's eyeglasses darkened automatically whenever one went under a streetlight and then took their time lightening up again after, so that no less than two of Lenz's vital sensory street senses were disorientated. But he still managed both stealth and nonchalance both. He had no clue how he really looked. Like many of the itinerant mad of Metro Boston, he tended to confuse a wide berth with invisibility. The shopping bags looked heavy and impressive, their weight making the Chinese women lean in slightly toward each other. Call it 22, 14, 10 hours. The Chinese women and then Lens all passed a gray-faced woman squatting back behind two dumpsters, or between two dumpsters, her multiple skirts hiked up. Vehicles were packed bumper flush all along the curb, with myriad double parking also. The Chinese women passed a man lined up at the curb with a toy bow and arrows, and when the glasses undarkened, Lenz could see him as well as he passed also. The guy wore a rat-colored suit and was shooting a suction cup arrow at the side of a four-lease building, and then going up and drawing a miniature chalk circle on the brick around the arrow, and then another circle around that circle, and etc., as in a, what's the word? The women paid him no orientoid. I think he's, is he looking for target bullseye, bullseye? or target? Uh, the women paid him no orientoid mind. The suit's string tie was also brown in tone, unlike a rat's tail. His walls chalk was more pinkish. One of the women said something high pitched, like an exclamation to the other. Your monkey languages exclamatories have an explosive ricocheting sound to them, as in a component of boing to every word. A window up across the street was producing the star-spangled banner all this time. The man had a string tie and fingerless little gloves, and he stepped back from the wall to examine his pink circles and almost collided with Lens, and they both looked at each other and shook their heads like, look at this poor son of an urban bitch I'm on the same street with. It was universally well known that your basic orientoid types carried their earthly sum total of personal wealth with them at all times, as in on their person while they scuttled around. The orientoid religion prohibited banks, and Lenz had seen mammoth double-width twine-handled shopping bags in too many tiny Chinese women's hands not to have deducted that the Chinese female species of oriental used shopping bags to carry their personal wealth. He felt the energy required for the snatch and sprint increasing now with each stride, drawing nonchalantly closer, able to now distinguish different patterns in the clear-like plastic flags they wrapped their little hair in, the Chinese women. His heart rate speedened it, speedened to a steadily warming gallop, a steady warming gallop. He began to feel his feet. Adrenaline about what would shortly occur dried his nose and helped his mouth stop moving around on his face. The frightful hog was not and never numb, and now it stirred in the snow pants slightly with excitement of wits and the thrill of the hunt. Far from cutting edge surveillance, the shoe was on the other foot. The unwitting Oriental women had no idea who they were dealing with behind them, no idea he was back there, surveilling them, enclosing the nonchalant gap, stumbling only slightly after each streetlight's light. He was in total control of this situation, <laughs> and they did not even know there was a situation. Bullseye. 
Len straightened the mustache with one finger and gave a tiny little yellow brick road stutter skip a pure controlling glee, his adrenaline invisible for all to see. Uh, maybe one little... Yeah, do that little chunk right there. Is that, and that, and will that be that, good? That'll be good. This will be a little short, but, you know, we're, we're on vacation. Uh, n- new paragraph. There were two ways of going, and Les Assassins des Photos et Roland were prepared to pursue both these. Less better was the indirect route, surveillance and infiltrating the surviving associates of the entertainment's auteur, its actress and rumored performer, relatives, if necessary taking them and subjecting them to technical interview, leading with hope to the original auteur's cartridge of the entertainment. I guess I shouldn't be pronouncing it auteur. It should be auteur. Auteur. Uh, This had risks and exposures and was held abeant until the director route uh, to locate and secure a master copy of the entertainment on their own had been exhausted. It was this way that thus they were now still here in the Antitois shop of Cambridge to, comme on dit, be turning all the stones. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Great. I think that's about 24 minutes. Yeah. <coughs> Bless you. Sorry. <coughs> Bless no you. No way to edit that out <laughs> or stop or anything. Uh, man, Randy Lenz. Hate that guy. <laughs> but now I also kind of feel bad for him because he's a home, like actually homeless. I lo- I the, the idea that he's like I'm not a, a crazy I, a homeless guy like all these other guys that I passed. Yeah. Uh, doesn't seem like he's gonna pull out of this uh, coke psychosis spiral. I don't think so. And co- cocaine psychosis is real. The best uh, explanation or hand account I've heard of it was in. You know, if you've maybe been listening or maybe haven't been listening and are probably hopefully not aware that we have a podcast called And Introducing About Words About Music, where we talk about music books. Available wherever uh, podcasts are available and introducing the podcast. I believe it was Slash started doing so much cocaine that he started seeing little goblins everywhere. Yeah. And he went to rehab in like Arizona or some other Sunbelt area. And uh, but he brought a stash with him and then he did it. And he was in the sh- at a fancy shower in this fancy room, a oh, nice uh, rehab, and he like basically busted through the entire shower door, glass yeah. shower door, hiding from cocaine gremlins. <laughs> like the Kool-Aid man. I think, was it Slash or was it Ketis? Shit. One of those guys. One of those guys. Anyway, that... Uh, R- running from cocaine gremlins. That stuff, that stuff is real. That's not uh, exaggerated right. for fiction. Well, he's, he's certainly in the grips of some sort of... Uh, some sort of madness. Uh, and I can, have you ever felt paranoia? I mean, yes, constantly, but <laughs> not that kind of paranoia. What do you, what, get, you kind of, what kind of paranoia do you feel? You don't have to ask this. Uh, out. Yeah. I mean, you know, just generalize anxiety about, sometimes you know, I feel like somebody's watching me. Yeah. Or not that, not that kind, but you oh. know, paranoia about, you know, whatever projects failing or whatever, mm. but, you know, that sounds more uh, like in, insecurity. Yeah. It's more like insecurity or but, de- just generalized anxiety. Yeah. Or like, yeah, it's more like anxiety. I don't know. Like, well then what's the difference between anxiety and paranoia? Anxiety is like unspecified fears and paranoia is specific, Spec- specific fears. fears. There's a guy watching me versus anxiety is like, I don't know what if I'll never be good enough. Yeah. I guess maybe well, is, is, <laughs> is wondering is somebody is this specific person mad at me? Is that paranoia? That could be yeah, or yeah, being par- yeah, being paranoid that someone has done something yeah. to you. Um, yeah, it's a it's a nasty. It's what I think it's one of the worst worst things you can feel as a yes. person actually. Um, 
Yeah. Am I paranoid? No, I'm pa- yes, I'm paranoid, but am I paranoid enough? <laughs> am I paranoid enough? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I it's it does seem like like uh, Lens is in the place where losing the uh, the Anna House thing is like in his in his mind he like feels like he's freed to pursue like yeah. the truest form of Lens, yeah. which is like the most insane form of him. Right. Yeah. He's a uh, God. He sucks. Um, yeah. Cause now he, remember he was hiding from both sides of the law yeah. in Ennett house. Yes. Uh, from, you know, deal gone bad uh, and also illegal drug things. And now he's killed a, uh, Canadian like insurgents houses dog. Yeah. Uh, I think that the best, result for him and the uh, Canadian insurgents would be a uh, let them fight scenario. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in which one cl- clinically insane person uh, with, with a knife <laughs> is let loose on a bunch of, uh, you know, I mean, that uh, was basically the situation. What happened? Yeah. Don got shot. So <laughs> he's a, uh, would Randy lens be a shlemiel and uh, uh, Don a shlemazzle? I guess. Kind of. He's all the bad. All the bad stuff always happens to him. Who spills the, one? The shlemiel spills the soup, and the shlemazel gets the soup, gets spilled, the soup on spilled on him. Yeah, that's a, at least that sounds. Yeah. Especially when Randy Lynch was literally hiding behind behind Todd's body. Also, the uh, the kind of this reminded me almost of this that scene reminds me of like like a Looney Tunes type of thing of yeah. like someone like cartoonishly creeping. You know who might not be bad casting for lens. Mm. Johnny Depp now. Oh God! Uh, yes, yes. Johnny Depp vibes. Johnny Depp now vibes in a slightly younger yeah. body. Absolutely. Even even in his his current body, just but but you know, like taking it as like full like creep show Johnny Depp. Yeah. And basically have him do like his fear and loathing performance. Mm-hmm. But but be like this is this is a guy is a real grade A creep show, and so we're. We're pick, picking a real grade A creep show to play him. Yeah, uh, I'm just imagining him do it like hiding behind Don, doing like the Johnny yeah, Depp yeah, fake yeah. karate uh, from like from yeah pirates or pirates or, fear, or fear and loathing or something. I think yeah. it would work. Yeah. Uh, then Kate Gompert gets gets beaned. Gets beaned. Uh, that reminded me of a story that my dad tells all the time, which is a, a very. You, you could, you'll be able to imagine my dad telling me this is of, being, of seeing a witnessing a hit and run uh-huh. and the cops like a pretty nasty one. And the cops coming up and there were like 10 witnesses mm-hmm. there and they all stuck around and the cops were interviewing each, each person. And they were like, all right, do you remember the make and model of the car, make model color of the car, mm-hmm. uh, that hit and run. Mm-hmm. And every single person at the scene gave a different mm. combination of make model and color. Uh, Shit. And they came to my dad and he gave his remembrance of the make model and color. Uh-huh. And which was different from everybody else's and like that's how I remember it and they were and every the cops were like, oh, "Okay." And then dad was like, "But I also memorized the license plate if you if that be any help." <laughs> 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 oh, that's good. Yeah, just the guy who but but he's, you know, Thinking about that is like the the kind of person who's enthusiastic to be a witness. Enthusiastic to be a witness. That um, probably means that their testimony is not going to be good. Although yeah. it does seem like poor Tony is pretty recognizable at this point. Yes, I saw it. I saw it all. I saw it all. Uh, I'm I'm the witness. 
Also, okay, more connections to be made, especially Kate Gopper. The last time we saw her, she was talking about going to meetings and like she's mm-hmm. talking about her her kind of depression, right? Yeah. What do we have now? She literally has like smacked her brain. Hey, maybe she'll get better from it. Maybe she'll get better from it. There's a there's a brain theme in this uh, book. You yeah, know. the brain and the. The, the MIT, MIT thing. Um, one of the, I can't remember his name, but one of Hal's uh, co- stu- students and teammates has a lesion in his brain that he got when he was a kid um, that makes food taste bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, just like, you know, the. When the, poor Tony the had his, like, sports, had a seizure. spasmatic episode, wasn't there, like, a lot of descriptions of, like, brains or, like, the stars looking like a giant yeah, brain or yeah. something like that? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a. Uh, it's something about why is this gray lump of flesh in my head uh, responsible for so much <laughs> misery? Why why is this gray why lump does, making me so sad? Why does it constantly need more cocaine? <laughs> it is weird. When we were in uh, Barcelona, we were in one of their markets, just seeing bra- like a full brain like in a uh, like a meat case. A, a deli counter. Yeah. Was it was like it right pig? next to a. a was uh, it pig brain? Probably pig brain or like lamb brain or yeah, something. Yeah, I feel like, like a cow brain would have been bigger. Sheep brain, yeah. maybe. Uh, but yeah, like right next to your slices of Hamona and Birico and uh, yeah, your your deli cuts just a full a full ass uncut brain. <laughs> uncut brain. Uh, and it's it's weird. It's uncanny to see that you know. Obviously, it's not a human brain, but it looks basically the same, just a little smaller, mm-hmm. and just like sitting there, being like, "Yep, there it is, all of consciousness." Yep. All perception. Yeah. All my, my meat, my meatus. Yeah. The, the meatus <laughs> of thought. Um, I don't know. It's crazy. That's it, why I took, I took neuroscience for my required uh, science class in college because it seemed the, like the only one that wasn't fig- going to make me uh, ups- actively upset. You got to figure out what's going on in there. I got to figure out, we got to get to the bottom of <laughs> what's this. What's going on up there? We don't know. There's a lot that we simply don't know. It seems like we've been about 200 probably like a hundred pages of all these tiny details all happening, like right in the same yeah, place in the same November, time. Yeah. And it's like, is what's his name doing the magazine interview of how basically this exact moment up the hill. Yeah. Or, yeah this exact day up the hill as, uh, yeah. How's lost to, um, Stice. To Stice. Uh, the kids, the kids in the tunnel, Tunnels, which another, yeah. hey, that, you know, that could be, well, I guess that's more of a cardioid thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, uh, that's happening. The, the Ennett house, uh, Joel visited Don. I promise we will see Don. I don't know if it's going to be in the next like couple of weeks, but we will see Don again. Uh, you know, Hal has quit weed. Yes. And is upset. Uh, Oren is uh, fucking a Swiss hand model. This is all on the on the. 14th. It's all happening. And yet no, nothing's and happening. Yet nothing, nothing's happened. It's it, at a certain point. You know, what are we like 700 and some pages in? There is like a I, I know, you know, the the annular is supposed to be the metaphor mm-hmm. of choice, but it also very much is like um, edging. <laughs> it's like narr- yeah. narrative edging. Yeah. Like all these things are right next to each other, mm-hmm. yet they just can't seem to meet. You know what it is? It's a. Uh, um, we were talking a while ago about uh, uh, calculus. Uh-huh. It's like the it's um it's like the limit. It's like a um, oh, yeah, yeah. it's like quadrat like... no quadratic yeah, no, is not no, the I, right I, thing. Um... It's you, you. It's not. None of these stories are like uh. You see like the full line. You see yeah. the point 
uh, at which something is happening. Yes. So like oh, Kate God, Gomper it, with the, her head all lumpy. The derivative. The, der- the derivative? I believe so. Okay. Isn't that like the, de- the, you know, if you have a curve mm-hmm. and you calculate the derivative, it's like the slope at the. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm fucking the wrong. Ra- yeah, the rate at which something is yeah, happening don't, at don't the Don't correct me about math. Please don't correct me about math. David Foster Wallace doesn't know anything about math either. This is the correction that we have been given, is that all the math in the book is wrong. Yeah. Have I gotten any good uh, good uh, reader mail? People continue to uh, fi- find us, which is great. Yes. Um, love that. Uh, uh, I, uh, I don't think I have anything specific, although I'm just scrubbing through my... Your My your deems, deems your yeah. Deems. Uh, yeah. I mean, if uh, if we're wrapping up the episode, we haven't shouted out. I mean, you can't. We haven't done any of this business at all in a long time. Which is, you can email us at theinfinitecastpod at gmail dot com. Yes. Um, and hey, why not rate, review, leave a comment on iTunes? I literally do not know if that still helps people find podcasts or anything. Yeah, I don't see. I don't see why not. Um. Well, thanks for this. Uh listening to this pod experiment. Hopefully that this will be a a good listening um, experience despite, or perhaps because of the new microphone probably won't be quite as good of an on the road app as our, our famous thunderstorm. Our our, uh, renowned, our world renowned Uh, uh, thunderstorm app, but Hey, a little ambient Amsterdam sound in the background is pretty nice. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I think that's it. We're about to go to a drum and bass festival. Um, <laughs> and listen to uh, this sound for the next uh, six hours. Hell yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.